Yeah, well, there's nothing wrong with your laser. I told you you couldn't get through. Well, then maybe it's time for a smoke. Mullets and Memories, a MacGyver podcast about MacGyver. Season 4. I've been doing volunteer work at the Challengers Club for years, dropping by whenever I could. The club began with a dream and an empty building. With some hard work and imagination, it had survived for 15 years. When something was needed, it was usually donated or scrounged. Oh, and that is the most lighthearted this episode's going to get. That's for sure. <laughs> Pretty sure about that. Um, welcome to Mullets and Memories, everybody. Uh, I am your host, Dave Champa. I'm your other host, Greg Klein. This is Mullets and Memories, episode 76. Today, Greg and I will be discussing the season four, episode 12, The Challenge. Mm. Um, I think we should start off by saying that this is the first of two episodes directed by our, 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 own, our one and only Dana Alcar. It was... I didn't realize it because this is how I watch TV. I I don't really pay attention to credits. Right. Um, and just like with albums, I don't really pay attention to who's in a band or where it was recorded. Right. So I noticed something was different about this episode right off the bat. And not, not just the subject matter, but like something right. about the way this episode was shot. It was shot differently, and the pacing was great. I thought it was tightly paced. I just he really did like it and I don't, he didn't he hasn't done much else like he didn't do a lot of directing but he clearly had at least in my opinion like he had a director's eye mm. like he knew how to shoot these episodes pretty well I think it might have explained why he wasn't in the episode because I feel like he would have fit in pretty well in an episode like this he would have been good in yeah. this episode yeah. yeah exactly um but he just shot it. He just shot the episode well. I think he know he clearly knows how to work with the actors. And I think you had mentioned this before we started recording. You know, he's been on the show now. This is three and a half years. Mm-hmm. He's been working on the show, maybe more. He knows these actors. He knows, right. He knows Richard Dean Anderson. He knows the creators. Mm-hmm. He knows how to run the show. Because if you notice, there a lot of the other episodes are are just one off directors. You know that maybe never worked the crew before, right? Um, and yeah, so come in with somebody who has had such a relationship through the whole project, right? To direct them, I think is great. Right, I agree. I agree. And uh, and we'll 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 talk about a couple of scenes as we get as we get through, um, as we get through the episode here. Uh, so we'll definitely. Uh, I think before we jump in, I wanna. I think Greg and I wanna just sort of like address quickly that this, by far. Is the darkest episode I think we've seen of MacGyver up to this point, without a doubt. Halfway through season four, a little over halfway through, and I mean this—it's just I don't know if they're going to get much darker than this. I mean, this touched on a subject that sadly is still plaguing our country in 2017, and this was you know 28 years ago. Mm-hmm. It felt way too timely watching this episode. Yeah, and so Greg and I were struggling like. How do you take a topic like racism and make it enjoyable for people to listen to? Like, right. Well, they can just listen to our discomfort in watching the episode. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. it was. It, it, and it just it really goes down a rabbit hole very subtly. And then before you know it, you're halfway through, three-quarters of the way through the episode, and things have taken a really bad turn. Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, yeah, this is, the I think, the heaviest and the darkest of the MacGyver uh, episodes as to date right. that we've watched. And I think I want to say that our our intent with with this is there are moments that we're going to kind of goof around with, I think, because there are some pretty interesting moments. But I, I think, you know, obviously we want to be as respectful as possible for something as, as, as touchy as, as this subject. But yeah, I think, you know, hopefully, hopefully we'll, we won't offend. <laughs> I, don't, I think that's too late. Um, well, I mean, if you've listened to our other 75 episodes, <laughs> maybe maybe it is a little too late. But with an episode like this, I think Greg and I just were like, let's just get through it. We'll talk about get it. Get through it. We'll, no, we'll, come on. We'll, it's, it's not that difficult. No, I know. It's not that difficult. I know. But it's, it is. It is it's, a, it's a subject that is, is, is pretty sore for a lot of people, especially now. 
That's and true. I think I think the best thing to do right now, Greg, is uh, let's go ahead and jump in, shall yep. we? Do All it. Right. All right. So we open at the Challengers Club, which is an inner city youth club, mm-hmm. like a youth shelter for. Uh, you, you get the I see sense it's like reformed teens. It's like teens who once who used to be in like gangs. Mm-hmm. And uh, the two owners, um, Booker and Cynthia Wilson, opened this up, and they're basically. It's not necessarily like a rehabilitation club, but it's it's trying yeah, it's, to keep these kids off the streets. It's like a place for kids to go instead of going into a gang, or if they're in a gang, a place to be safe and get out of it. And, you know, it's a place yeah. place to go after school that isn't home or isn't you know down like just down a bad road. Pretty right, much exactly. It's an alternative for kids that might come from broken homes, exactly, or you know families that are having trouble, which is a broken home. Yep, <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's like a weight room. There's like <clears throat> boxing equipment. There's like um, there's just like treadmill stuff, like games, like basketball stuff to do. It's a youth center to occupy time for youth. Right, makes sense. All right, and MacGyver has been volunteering apparently for years. Right, which um, this is the first again. again. First we've heard of it in three and a half years. Right, he's like, yeah, I've been here. I've known Booker and his wife for how how he said I've been volunteering on and off, and he said he actually worked there full time for like a couple years. Right, so clearly it was pre Phoenix Foundation, but right. yeah, he been working there for a while, so he's he's volunteering. And so the basic thing is that like the Challengers Club is working on a very small budget, a very small yearly budget, and they have to keep that up every single year. Mm-hmm. So the owner, so Booker and Cynthia, um, the the episode takes place during on the day that they're they're due to have their council meeting in order to be approved for mm-hmm. funding for the for the next year right. to keep the club up and running. And so we we cut away from the Challengers Club. Oh, I want to make I want to make a comment though. Yes. So it opens with MacGyver working on some kind of exercise equipment. It's like a that, ro- it's like a rowing machine. It almost it looks like he ba- built this thing out of scraps. He, yeah. he oh, MacGyvered yeah. this exercise thing. It looked like a like a Nordic track skier yes. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it was made out of like plywood and like bungee cords. And he's kind of working on it. He's like, "All right, good. It's all good." Um, and uh, they're like, "Well, why don't you try it out?" It's like, "No, why don't you guys try it out?" And one of the kids is like, "Man, eh, I'm too pretty to try that thing. I, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want it to break and smash my face pretty much." Right. And MacGyver's like, "Booker, the guy that owns the place, you you give it a shot. Come on, give it a shot." Right. So Booker gets on it and starts like really like, jilted. He's like, like, <laughs> like kind of hunched over. It's like elastic bands and like these weird little tracks that his feet are in. And he's right. like, he looks like a goofball. Just like, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, and MacGyver was like, yeah, come on, give it all you got. And he just starts like going really fast. Like, <laughs> yeah. And then that's when Booker's wife calls them into the room into like their office. Basically says, we, we got to get ready to go to the, to the courthouse or whatever, or, or something. I forget. Yeah. But basically said MacGyver and you gotta, you gotta go check, check the, fix the sink. Cause it doesn't work. Right. He's like, oh, okay. All right, cool. Bye. So he's he's like the handyman while he's back. Absolutely. He, of course. He builds gym equipment and stops leaks, I guess. <laughs> so we we got out of the club and we we cut to a, a print shop, like the exterior of a print shop. We see we see a, a young man come out of the, the front of the print shop and he gets in a van. A young man none other than Mr. Cuba Gooding Jr. That's right. Uh, who was phenomenal in this part. I thought he was he did this part so well. You know, I found that the the higher the quality of the actor the the better the episode yes and this was no this was definitely no exception and this is like right at i don't know about right at the start of his career but very early on as he's starting to make a name for himself yeah yeah yeah. and it was he was just really really good so he plays a character his name is ray collins and he's coming out of the print shop and this the guy named this guy named larson larson is the one who owns the print shop so Ray gets into the van at the front of the shop, and no sooner does he get ready and start the car, but Larson comes running out of the print shop and starts screaming at Ray to get out of the car. He's like, you're stealing my van. You get out of that car. You t- Don't you take my van away from you. Get out of the car. He's stealing my van. And he, he like waves down two of his guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Larson's guys come up, and they start like pounding on the van. They're like, you get out of the car. And so Ray flips out, and he just drives away. Right. With the van, and he heads back to the Challengers Club. Yeah, but the, the two goons uh, f- go in hot pursuit, and yeah. then uh, the what's his name, the bad guy, Larson. Larson. I again, I apologize, I don't remember people's names. Larson, right. who's an ass, uh, waves down a cop who happens to be driving by and says, "A kid just stole my van. I think I know where he's going." Right. And they all take off after after uh, uh, Ray. <laughs> Jesus God! <laughs> After Ray, so this is one of the first moments I noticed that something's a little different about the episode. This this chase sequence. So mm. we have the, we have we have Larson's man Frank and Smiley. 
All right, God, these guys are cops. Are their names? And they give chase to Ray, and it's a it's like an expertly shot chase sequence. Yeah, it was great. Pacing was tight. Like the the shots were great. The like just the the speed of it. Like it didn't. It just it was so well done. Like the driving was good. The sh- angles were nice. It was like it was a legit car chase. And I knew I was like at that point I thought about it again, and I was like something's different about this. And I realized that it was we've never seen Dana Alcar direct an episode like that. He just really knew how to shot shoot that scene. He nailed it. It was really really well done. So. The cop arrives, so um, Ray arrives at the Challengers Club, and the two guys, Frank and Smiley, arrive right be- right behind him. The cop shows up, and he goes in, and he starts kind of like explaining to Ray that Larson is accusing you, Ray, of stealing his van. Mm-hmm. And Ray, uh, Ray's like, no, definitely, definitely didn't do that. Like he, these guys came out and started attacking the but van, he's looking all mousy and sheepish. And so the cops. The cops end up arresting him, and um, Ray and Booker both are like, "No, he's innocent." Like, I'm innocent. Booker's like, "No, he he would not have done this." Mm-hmm. But they they arrest him. In the meantime, they they take him out and they take him into custody. And at this point, Larson, God, this is when we, st- this is the point that I know I realized like this is going to be things are going to really take a dark mm-hmm. turn. And it was just a very it was I don't want to say it was a throwaway line, but he's Larson's getting ready to leave, and he screams back and he goes, "You know what? I've had it with you people." Yeah, and I'm like, okay, so we're we're starting to travel down. We're this, going down that road. Going down this road. So we we cut to the police station, and Booker is explaining to MacGyver. He's like, "Listen, Larson has been trying to get my club shut down for years. He keeps like apparently Larson keeps claiming like it's a hangout for criminals. Mm-hmm. He's like, there's some shady shit going on here. Like and he's been trying to he's been trying to get this thing shut down for a really really long time with obviously with no luck. Yeah." So they're trying to figure out, like, all right, well, who's going to – we got to get Ray out of prison. Like, how are we going to bail him out? And so uh, a police officer was like, well, no, we can't – No, none of you can bail him out. Right. His mom's in the hospital. Mm-hmm. He has no next – like, he has no immediate family in the area. They're so, like – Then they refuse to let him go to Booker because he's already got, like, 12 kids he's keeping track of. Right, exactly. So we're like, we, we really can't release him from prison unless – you know someone who's willing to take him, and it was. I love that moment because like you get like <laughs> the music cues up, and Booker's like looking around, and he looks at MacGyver, and he goes, uh, "How about it, MacGyver?" And MacGyver's like, "No, no, no, I'm not going to do yeah, this." Yeah, right. But it, it wasn't like telling, saying no to Jack Dalton. MacGyver's like, "No." Well, you know, like you could see, he's like he was taken aback, but like it's the right thing to do. I got, I'll, I'll do this. Right, I'll, and I I'll, love, I love Booker's line here because Booker's like, "Listen, no, it's fine. Kids like you as soon as they get to know you." Yeah, and then. They they release Ray into MacGyver's custody and they get in the car and MacGyver's like, "Hey, I'm MacGyver. Uh, kids like me as soon as they get to know me." And I just thought that was a really yeah. fun like line. And right, then right. Ray's like, "Well, I'm not a kid. Um, <laughs> I, I don't like you, and I don't want to get to know you." Right. And so MacGyver like switches on the, the like the badass mode. And he's like, "All right, well, fine. Here we go." And he he's like, he, like well, he says, "Okay, well, let me let me start again." Hi, my name's MacGyver, and I'm going to be on you like green on grass. Right. Buckle your seatbelt. Yeah, and that's it. <laughs> and they just drive away. And I, I love it. And um, so we cut back to Larson, and uh, he comes out of the police station, and he's standing next to Smiley and Frank, and he tells them, he's like, listen, boys, he's like, here's what I need you to do. He's like, I need you to make it look like Ray has run away. Yeah. But I well, want you to make sure that when he runs, mm-hmm. he runs away and disappears for good. Now, let's be, let's be clear about Frank and Smiley. Yeah, I I forget who is who, but one looks like he he's a hillbilly, like this he's really skinny. Yep, and the other guy looks like he's a a, a skinhead, like he's got romper oh, yeah. stomper boots on. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, these guys are they are not nice people. I oh, <clears throat> yeah, they're and they're they're very nondescript. They I don't know if they have more than one or two lines a piece in the episode. They're just like yeah. they were designed to look like punks and they really don't but <laughs> classic like white trash exactly yeah so so larson's like you need to make it look like ray has disappeared and run away right but you need to also make sure that when he disappears he disappears for good mm-hmm. and i was like yeah. which is weird like this is just like uh just like it also doesn't make sense no like, no it doesn't at all his motives i mean it, the the thought process behind it don't aren't really solid no but Larson's a piece of shit, so I guess that's okay. Right, and it just gets worse. He just he just gets worse as as we continue on here. So yeah. we cut back to the club, and Ray he's, you know, he's just working out on the equipment, and MacGyver is trying to like get some answers. He's trying to like pull some pull some info well, out of him. Ray is like, beating the shit out of a heavy bag. Oh yeah, he's going to freaking town and he's doing on that. Thing. Like he's boxing the hell out of that thing, 
And MacGyver's like, hey, Ray, Ray, come on, come on. You know, you can beat this thing up or you can tell me what's going on. Right. And Ray's like, shut up. I'm not talking to you. I refuse to. T- I'm not going to say anything to you. You won't understand because you're white. Yeah. And MacGyver's like, wait, what is this? Is This is kind of funny, though, because MacGyver's like, wait, wait, what does my being white have to do with anything? Right. And, and, and Ray's like, you don't get it. You don't understand. You don't have to deal with what I have to deal with. And this is where like MacGyver like shows a little bit of naivete, like yeah, to race. Like MacGyver's a white male, like this, yeah. I right. mean this that w- he's pretty much got the, the, the born with a silver spoon. Right. In his this mouth. would not happen to him, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> like, and, and and Ray's like, well, you know, when when you go walking at night, you don't get frisked by the police, right? You know, you don't get like pulled over when you're driving around town, like all this stuff. And MacGyver's like, what are you talking about? And I was kind of surprised that MacGyver didn't know or was like kind of put that together was like what is it taken aback maybe yeah like what are you talking about like it was new to him it was it was it was very surprising to me that he just had he didn't know what he was referring to i'm like yeah pretty smart dude but like you don't understand what he's actually referring to he's like in a little macgyver bubble yeah he really he really is yeah MacGyver timeline. Um, yeah. So Ray grabs a basketball, and MacGyver's like, well, what are you going to do with that? And he's like, I'm going outside to play basketball. Can you just let me do that, please? MacGyver, okay. So he goes out, and he starts shooting hoops, and the ball rolls, and with the camera follows the ball into the foot of one of the of one of Frank or Smiley. I, I really don't know which one is which. Yeah, the, 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 what, what should we call him? It's the meathead. Like the, the meathead? The big meathead, and then you get the meathead and the bald head. So <laughs> the meathead, the guy with the, the leather jacket? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So... He picks it up, or no, the, actually the bald guy picks up the ball, and, and he starts like, trying to show up Ray, trying to intimidate him, mm-hmm. trying to get him to bail, right. and he pulls out a switchblade, yeah. and he stabs the ball, and he basically, he makes this awful comment. He makes a comment about his nappy head yeah. halfway through the scene, and then he stabs the ball, and he's like, I'm going to make your nappy head look just like this ball, and he stabs the basketball. It's fucked up. And I'm like, oh, this is getting too real. Like, yeah. this is just... And he tells him to run. Yeah, and then he says, "Don't stop until you get back to Africa." I was like, "Holy shit!" Yes, holy yes. shit! This is it's just, they brought it like I'm like, and we're like what eleven minutes into the episode? Yeah, like we're not we're just about to cut to the first commercial. Elevated, like yeah. I'm like, okay, they're serious here. And so Ray runs, like, he bails, which I mean, he was like legit scared, which is interesting because he didn't. He was right at at the Challenger Club. He didn't run back inside. Instead, he ran down the railroad tracks. Yeah. So maybe he's thinking, if I leave, I'll be safe. But if I run in there, me or my friends won't be. They're going to be in danger. His, I yeah. mean, fight or flight, you can't you can't judge that. But I was like, I wonder, I wonder why he didn't run inside. Because he drove there before when right. he was being chased. The same threat. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So he runs. And Frank and Smiley take off. And they leave the basketball. MacGyver goes outside to check up with Ray, and he sees the basketball, and he picks it up, and he kind of looks around and doesn't see, uh, doesn't see where Ray is. Mm-hmm. So he goes back inside, and he's he's checking in with one of Ray's buddies. His name's Rico. He's the guy at the very beginning who's like, "No, I like my face too much to get on that exercise machine." That guy, yeah, the same guy. His name is Rico, and MacGyver's kind of like chatting with him. He's like, "Listen, where where do we suppose that Ray might have gone if he ran?" And he's like, "I really don't." Rico's like, "I, I really don't know, but I guess I would start." Checking out the billiard hall. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where his old gang well, used to hang nice, out. It was nice because MacGyver kind of pulled, like, appealed to Rico's better nature. Said, "You know, um, Ray, this is happening at kind of a bad time. You like this place as much as Ray does, right? We need your help because if we can't get him, if we lose this, you might not have this place anymore. Like, right? He's like, okay, so exactly. You know, like helping Ray will help him. <laughs> yeah." Exactly. So he says, yeah, going down to this pool hall with a – what gang hangs out there? Um, uh, I can't remember the name of the gang, what their gang was, mm-hmm. but there's the, the other gang is the Demons. Like the Demons. They come in later in the episode. I don't actually remember if they named his old gang. Okay. I think they did. did they, they did, but I can't remember what it was. I don't remember the name yeah. of it. Um, I do remember the name of the billiard hall. It was Joe's Pool and Snooker. <laughs> In snooker, yeah, the snooker is snooker a billiard term? It is. Is it's, it really? It's, it's a it's a it's a game. And I remember the only time I've ever seen snooker was when I went to I went to um, Europe, and I was in London, and I was staying with I was, Chris and I had room together on a high, it was a high school trip to Europe, okay. mm-hmm. and they had a snooker tournament on the TV, and okay. I remember we watched it. And I don't understand how it is. There's like there's like five, four or five pegs in the middle of the board. All the balls are red, and yeah. So apparently, okay. apparently, okay. this billiard hall 
Yeah. Also plays, they also have snooker tables. Right, right. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how snooker works. Okay. Neither do I. <laughs> so we, we cut to the we we cut to the pool hall and Ray is there and he's he's trying to buy a gun. I'm sorry, he's trying to buy a shooter. Yeah. Uh, from 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 the leader of the gang. His name is Breeze. Mm. Um and I do think it was interesting that he calls it a shooter. Yeah. And not a gun. Yeah. And um Breeze was like, Okay, I'll give you the gun, but you got to come back and start selling crack with us. It's like, I'm not doing that. He's like, no, I'm not going to do that. And Breeze is like, okay, well, then I'm not going to give you the gun. And he he makes a comment. No, he doesn't. Not yet. He doesn't make the comment about the crack, <laughs> yeah. the, the selling the crack. So he, he does eventually give him, he gives him the gun anyway. Mm-hmm. And he, basically like, here you can have the gun, but you owe me. Right. You owe me big time. So Breeze looks up and he sees MacGyver come into the bar. Right. And he's like looking at Ray and Breeze. And he takes the gun back. Well, and MacGyver he, calls out Ray. He's like, Ray. Yeah, when MacGyver walks into this pool hall, and you know, I the pool hall looked very much like the pool hall out of Black Dynamite <laughs> when, when he comes in and kicks everyone's ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I kind of was expecting MacGyver to do something like that, <laughs> but no, it didn't happen. Um, yeah, so MacGyver comes in and calls out Ray, and Breeze is like, "What the heck? You bring in you bring in like the man in here?" He's like, "Yeah, no, no I'm take give me the gun back," which is interesting because nothing comes of it. Like this, you're walking into gangland. And no, like, okay, yeah, they, it just really never. MacGyver it, calls him out across the pool hall, and you would think that MacGyver would get his teeth knocked out, right? Nothing happens. Nothing happens with it because and, in the next scene, MacGyver basically tells Ray, "All right, fine. You don't want to tell me anything. Here's what we'll do. We're going to play for it. We're yeah. going to play a little game of pool." He's like, "If I win, you tell me everything that I want to know." Yeah, and he's like, "If you win, Ray, I'll walk away." And I'll leave you alone. Mm-hmm. And I, you knew going into that moment, like MacGyver's going to house him. Yeah, there's no question. Like MacGyver <laughs> knew what he was doing. But Ray was like, "Yeah, man, I'll take you. I can do this. I'll totally do this. I, I can bring this. Let's do it." And so, enter. This began. So at the same time, uh, Booker and his wife. Yep. What was her name? C- uh, Cynthia. Cynthia are meeting with at the town council to 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 put forward their case for more funding for the center. Right. And. This is the same time that MacGyver and Ray start playing each other with the billiards, and it turned into this magnificent, like I don't want to say montage, but this great cutting back and forth oh, of Booker. Yes, thank you for saying this. Yeah, like cutting back and forth of Booker at the at the town council and MacGyver playing Ray. Right, like back and forth. Booker explaining, he's like, you know, I have all of you have my report. I, you have all the numbers and everything. I was going to talk about that, but I'm not going to talk about right. all the business side of this. I'm right. going to talk about the people. Right. So Booker starts putting out this really heartfelt oh, speech. So well it done. It was so good about the kids, about the families, like how, how well the center. He's like, you know what? Yeah, I have some bad kids. I have some kids that are on drugs because their parents like allowed right. them to do it. Right. Or like, I, I, yeah, some of my kids are really troubled. And he's like, but locking the doors to this club mm-hmm. would put these kids back on the streets. No right. questions. And then you cut back to MacGyver and Ray playing together and having this exchange. And MacGyver's kind of like, you know, Ray, this isn't the right answer. Like getting guns and killing people isn't the right answer because right. hatred has to stop someplace or else it's just going to keep going back and forth. Right. And it was brilliant it was so well done he's like explaining like the the rules of physics to him about the pool table he's like this is not this is not luck right he's like this is all physics right he's like e- these reacts these actions have re- these reactions he's like i, I have <laughs> the every action has an equal and opposite right. reaction right because he starts schooling book not booker uh, he starts schooling a uh, ray yeah like ray get, has some good shots on him and then thinks that macgyver's done and macgyver's like no like he's like number four in this pocket and right. like, does this crazy shot where it's like bouncing all over the table and sinks like two balls, and you can hear the guys in the in the in the in the, in the bar going like ooh, ooh, ooh. like they're yeah. like really impressed. They're like, like MacGyver ooh. knows what he's doing. Yeah, like he's really damn good. And here's MacGyver, he's like he's yeah totally out of place right. with his like white shoes, his big orange mullet. Yeah, like in his leather jacket, and he's just schooling this kid on the pool in the pool table. Yeah, it's and awesome, it's unbelievable. And yeah, like you said, it's just this beautifully, this beautiful intercut, with, beautifully intercut with the scenes of Booker in the in the council meeting, like pleading his case as to why they need the funding and this and this. And he gives the speech, and he sits down, and then Larson gets up at the end of this speech. Ugh. And so I want to right off the bat, I wanted to I wanted to dump a a, a chamber pot 
down his throat. Yeah, and he goes into this, and he just launches into this into this whole speech. And it, basically, what he does, is he he postulates that the club harbors criminals in the neighborhood, and he doesn't want these people ruining that neighborhood. Right, and completely Booker, without evidence. And Booker just looks like, up. He's like, "Wait, wait, wait, wait! Stop, stop, stop! What do you mean these people?" And he gets up and stands next to him. Right, and Larson just keeps going. Right, like trying to basically saying. It's it's it houses criminals. It's like it's getting like all these like kids together, and it's basically forming gangs, right? And just doing entirely the opposite of what Booker had just said, right? It was doing, right? And like Larson at this point, like he very he not so subtly hints at Booker, like he's like Booker, you're a racist too. He's like, I don't see any white people in that club. Yeah, it was weird. I was, was like, like, oh. And he's like, and then he was like, and I want you all to know, he's like, that prison is the place for these criminals. He's like, not this youth club. Yeah, it's unreal. Like, and he's like, the people in my neighborhood are scared. And here I have a petition of over 900 or whatever. 90, I think he said 900. 900 something people that don't want this club there anymore. Right. And he started passing it out and even gave Booker a copy. Yeah. You know, um, and at the same time, this is, again, this is all this montage. It's this excellent chunk in the middle of the show. Right. Um, by this point, MacGyver has beaten Ray. Right, right. And basically, Ray is willing to listen, I guess, uh, at this point. And I don't know how it happened, but they end up, MacGyver's like, you got to come with me. we got to go downtown. Right. Um, right. Because he, right, he was trying to get Ray to tell him what happened with the van. Exactly. Initially. Right. And I, I'm guessing that Ray did tell MacGyver because they end up going to the, this council meeting. Right. Um, with Ray um, while they're doing like statements from the public and stuff. And they're just about to vote. And the town council says, um, if there, unless there's anybody else who wants to say anything, we're, we're going we're gonna to close this out and we're going to vote on it. And, and Booker's there and MacGyver's like, I think I got somebody here. Yeah. And of course, Larson's like, he's a liar. He's not going to blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. So Booker stand not Booker. Jesus. Ray. Um, Ray stands up yeah. in front of everybody oh. and starts crying pretty much. Yeah. Explaining how his he he wasn't a gang. Booker took him. In. He tried to steal from Booker. Right. Booker didn't press charges. Didn't call the police. Instead, had him work for him. And then yeah, got him out of the gang. Got him straight. Got him like clean or whatever. I don't think he was doing drugs. He was just selling them. No, yeah, um, which is the smart way to go. Exactly. But um, yeah, and then basically tried to explain about Larson. Do you want to cover this? Yeah. So so Booker enrolled him. Basically, put him in, like a job training program, like a voc rehab program, like trying to get him into like a solid, steady job, working like a, like a decent de- decent hour in a week. So. The story. So this is when the whole story comes out about what happened with the van. So Ray went to Larson's print shop, and he goes to Larson and he asks to apply for a job. Mm-hmm. Larson gives him a look and he's like, "No, we don't have any. We don't have anything available. Sorry, go check somewhere else." So he's not really interested at first, and then Ray mentions something about the Challengers Club. Well, Ray said he left his name because Booker taught him never to give up. Right, and he leaves his name, and he tells him where he can find him down at the Challengers Club, and so that kind of like perks Larson up, and he mm-hmm. kind of so according to Ray, Larson then gave him the keys to the van mm-hmm. and said, "Can you go ahead and just pull this van around it's to like, the back of the yeah, building?" He says, "Hey, can you drive?" Yeah, and so thinking that he was getting a job, went out, unlocked the van, and got in. Right, and at, this was at the point that we see at the beginning of the episode where Larson comes out and starts screaming at Ray for trying to steal his van. He puts Frank and Smiley in there and trying to get them to attack Ray, mm-hmm. and Ray is insistent that this is all the truth. He's like, this is the truth, despite what Larson is trying to say to you guys. Like, this is what actually happened. And then he starts crying again, and he turns around to Booker, and he like apologizes profusely. He's like, I'm so sorry to you guys if I, if I ruined the chances of this club being refinanced. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry for doing that. And you can see Booker's like, it's all right. It's all right. You did. It was just such, a beautiful, like, just such a beautifully delivered speech. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, it was so good. This whole <laughs> scene right here was so well-intentioned and so well-delivered. Like We're talking about episodes like in the past couple weeks, ones that we could watch again. Yeah. Though this one, we're, we're, we haven't quite gotten there yet yet no i could definitely watch this one again it was so well done it really really was it felt like there was so much more like it was more fleshed out than any of the other episodes it was really well built it didn't feel like it was 48 minutes or whatever no no it was just because the pacing was just so good yeah it was excellent so 
they get down to the point here where the council is sort of deliberating, trying to figure out. And it's, you know, it's obvious it's a, it's a drawn out scene. Like you see, you see them all thinking and then you see one red light goes on the red light, meaning no, they have these little triggers under their, under their desks that turn on the yes or no vote. Right. Which in my mind is like, how the hell could you vote? No. After all this, granted, we're privy to the rest of the information in the episode, right. but like, how the hell after that? Right. And then listening to Larson, who's obviously a, a, a piece of crap. He's just going buck. He's just like shitting on everyone. Right. So it ends up being that the council does approve the funding for the new year mm-hmm. by a vote of three to two. So three voted yes, two voted no. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, those two shitheads who voted no. Right. Like, really? How could you vote no? Ugh. I don't. Uh, th- I mean, that happens. Across the country anyway. Absolutely. Things like that, for whatever reason, personal grudges. Yep. I mean, you can say this is for the greater good. Then you can be like, oh, you start getting into socialism and all that stuff. But right. like, you really have to think. Places like this are very beneficial. I agree. What's the, what's the phrase? Uh, when we all do better, we all do better. You know, whatever, yeah. if something goofy like that. Yeah, I, I, I know what you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so Larson, you know, obviously he's getting all pissy. He goes back to the print shop, and he's starting to talk to Smiley, and you see him like rummaging through his drawers, and he's like, he's looking for something. He finds a box of bullets. Yeah. He starts loading up his gun. Mm-hmm. He hands the gun to Smiley, and basically says, you go ahead and take care of Booker for me. Yeah. It's like, oh. And so, and, and so at this point, this is where the episode goes from like, oh, yeah, like, you know, we're winning. Everyone's to all of a sudden, it's like, holy shit, they're going down like this path. Right. It goes so far down this path. Even even Ugh. here, I'm thinking like, oh, it's MacGyver. I mean, okay, they're going to go after Booker. It's nine, okay. it's nine o'clock on a Sunday night. You're watching the show. Like, they're not going to take it to an extreme point. Like, right. obviously, you can touch on these subjects, but like, they're not going to they're not going to go this far. Yeah. So we cut back from commercial, and we we get it. We see Booker, and he's driving his car, and he's heading back to the club. Smiley and Frank basically just not lightly, but not like forcefully. They rear end his car. Yeah. And so they approach in this car that's. The car that they've been driving has been in the episode before that they sped around in before, so you recognize it. Right. Um, they approach Booker with the headlights off. Booker's at a stoplight, and they bump into him hard enough, but not 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 crazy. Right. Um, and so Smiley, I think it's Smiley. I don't know one of the two. I think Smile. I think Smiley's the bald one. I think so. I think you're right. Yeah. He gets out gets out of the passenger seat of their car. And just kind of creeps up alongside Booker's car, and Booker's in the driver's seat. He's like, "That's weird." And so he he gets out to look around. He's like, "Oh, it doesn't look like there's much damage." And Smiley comes up behind him, and uh, I don't think he hits him right off the bat. He doesn't. This is when he because he's talking to Frank or Booker's talking to Frank, and Smiley sneaks in and he plants a bag of crack under the under the car right. under the car seat. Right. Oh, um, and we've seen this crack before. It's a bag of crack, right. rocket brand, rocket crack. brand crack, rocket brand, right? Um, because um, um, Ray, w- when he was encountering um, uh, Breeze, yes, Breeze wanted him to move some crack, and it was rocket brand crack. So we've seen this logo before, right? Exactly. So he plants this bag of the rocket brand crack under the car, and I don't know if they attack him. They might have. They may just like gently subdue him. They they cl- they punch him in the back. Like I want to, you know. I'm thinking Booker owns this gym or whatever. I thought Booker was going to clean the floor. That, with them. I kept thinking that myself. I'm like, he's clearly going to be like, if he's working with these kids, like he's working with these yeah. kids, and like, yeah, I expected him to put up a little fight, but no. no they, Booker gets a good hit in on one of the guys, and the other guy just like punches him in the back. Pretty easily subdue him. Yeah. They throw him in the car and they drive away. Mm-hmm. So later that night, we're back at the Challengers Club, and a detective arrives. I don't think we actually ever get the name of the detective. The detective, he arrives at the club, and he's talking to Cynthia, and he's like, "Listen, we we found your husband's car. We found Booker's car. It was empty. Um, it had a damaged rear fender, and we found some blue paint chips on the ground um, from where the other car hit him. Yeah, but we also found a bag of Rocket Band brand crack." Rocket band. Rocket band. Rocket band. Rocket uh, band. It's not an Elton John song. No. Those they find the. Cr- they're like we also found this crack in the car, so we don't we don't really know what's going on here, but uh, it's definitely something to for you to notice. Right. Yeah. Your husband might be uh, doing something that you don't know. Right. She's like, no, no, no. He would never do that. And he's like, well, you know, he needs a lot of money. It. I mean, it fits in terms of the circumstances. Like he might be trying to move some crack to make sure. some money to keep sure. the place open. Yeah. But she's like, that would never. He would never do that. And MacGyver's there with her. He's like. No way! It's, it's totally not him. Right. This is not this is not Booker's style to do, right. to do that. Right. So Ray very valiantly volunteers himself to go to go to the streets. He, I thought MacGyver approached him. He does, but Ray does volunteer himself to go to the streets. He's like, "Listen, yeah. I'll do this. I will find out 
because they're like, we need to know what gang uses Rocket Brand. Yeah. Because Ray, uh, Ray's like, it's not our gang. Like, it's not my guys. Like, we don't use right. it. We just we just sell it for whoever it is. Because the cops said it could be a rival gang trying to get him out of here. Or because they're like, they also don't like Booker's very anti-drug, you know, rehab, trying to get right. all their dealers off the streets to, you know, so they're losing business. So maybe they're just trying to get, maybe so, maybe they're trying to plant it. If they did, someone framed him, maybe this other gang is, is trying to get him off, get him off the streets and get him in prison so that they can stop this anti-drug yeah. mindset that he's in. So Ray, again, volunteers to go out, and he's going, I'll find out who this is. I'll find out who they are. I'll check in with everybody. So he goes to see Breeze, mm-hmm. and Breeze sort of refuses at this point. He's like, no, I'm not going to help you do that. Well, which is interesting. It's I don't know how realistic this bit is, but Breeze is out there. They're out on some dock someplace, yeah. or like a big warehouse area, industrial neighborhood. Um Breeze has like got his crack laid out all on the hood of his car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Maybe like seven or eight little baggies, and he's got a huge wad of cash, and he's like counting money. He just did a deal with somebody as like as uh, as uh, Ray walks up. I don't know if that's what would happen. I, you know, again, I never sold crack. Neither have but I. But I don't. I don't imagine that that's the way to do it. Is to lay your crack out well, on the hood of your car. You can't. You, you've never lived until you've sold crack off the hood of a car. Apparently not. So yeah. So so Ray is like, listen, I need you to tell me. Like, I need you to tell me. Like, who sells? Who 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 gave you the rocket brand? He's like, I'm not going to tell you that, but I want you. And he like flashes a wad of cash at Ray, and yeah. he's like, I want you back in on this game. I want you to start selling for me again. And he's like, no. Ray's like, no. He's like, this is literally another form of slavery. I'm not going to help you sell drugs. Right. Like you just keep <laughs> doing this and doing this and doing this, and you can't get out of it. And you see this moment with Breeze, like he's like, "Holy shit, this dude just stood up to me!" Like yeah. almost like this impressed, like, "Yeah, all right, fine." Because apparently they were really good friends. Yeah. Until oh, yeah. until you know until Booker took him under his wing and kind of got him out of that. Yeah. So there's a big falling out between Ray and, and Breeze. Yeah, exactly. And so he, I don't even know, he just really like at this point he comes around. And he does eventually agree. Like Breeze is like, "All right, fine." I will figure this. I'll find this out. I'll help you. To, I'll help you find this out for Booker. When, you know, da 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 da. And I wrote here in my notes: Cuba Gooding Jr. is so phenomenal in this role. <laughs> I know. I was just transfixed. <laughs> I was watching him. Like he was so. I don't know how old was he here? Eighteen, maybe. Probably mid to late twenties. Because I was. Oh yeah. Th- okay. Because this was eighty nine, and I'm like, he's not that far away from winning an Academy Award. Right. Because he won the Oscar for Jerry Maguire like five years after this, six mm-hmm. years after this. So mm-hmm. I'm like. He's not that far away, so he's just so good. He was great. And uh, again, I'm going to say it, when you get the good actors, you really elevate the entire story. And I think Everything. any other actor in that part, I think, would have sunk the episode. Oh, easily. He, he did so well. So He carried the... He had the, the believability, and yeah, it's great. Yeah. All right. So here we go. So we cut to an abandoned warehouse. Booker is clearly been attacked. Mm-hmm. He's strung up by his arms. He's got his arms up over his head, and he's just sort of like dangling there from a, uh, a rope in the ceiling and he's just sort of like hanging there and he's 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 alert and he's awake and he's he's talking to larson and booker uh, essentially basically says he's like yeah killing me that's what you're gonna do he's like that's not gonna close the challengers club mm-hmm. he's like that's not gonna it's not gonna stop what you want it to stop and let's let's be clear larson smiley and frank all walk in with like white butcher's aprons on or butcher's clothes yep Yep, they sure do. And one of them was going to put a hood on, like a pillowcase. When they attacked Booker, they had like pillowcases over there. Right. So pretty goofy looking. Yeah. But then Larson's like, oh, no need to do that. No need to disguise yourself. (sighs) Which is like, that means that it doesn't matter if Booker sees them. Right. And so Booker basically tells him, or Larson, no, not Larson. Booker basically tells Larson, like, you can go ahead and do whatever you want. He's like, but doing this to me? Mm Mm-hmm. It's not gonna help. It's not gonna hurt anything. It's like it's not gonna close the challenges club. It's gonna stay. It's gonna stay open. Yeah. So <sighs> we cut back to Ray, and he does. He eventually finds out that the gang who sells Rocket Brand their their name is the Demons. Mm-hmm. He's telling this to MacGyver, and he's like, "Listen, yeah, they do. They sell Rocket Brand, but they stopped doing that a couple weeks ago. Yeah, because their supplier got busted. So they right. haven't. This stuff hasn't been on the street. So Rocket Brand's been while. off the street for a while. So he's like the." They're saying it wasn't them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also basically, they told Ray, they're like, yeah, they, they've never had any, the demons have never had any trouble with Booker. Yeah. There's no reason for them to do any of that. So yeah. so MacGyver, obviously, he's like, okay, so they're trying to set up the gang. They're trying to set up the demons. Mm-hmm. Or they're framing the demons for this so that the, it'll take the pressure off whoever planted that and is trying to get Booker eliminated. Right. Essentially. Jesus. Um 
And so MacGyver, like, basically, he's like, "Well, I need to know where the where the demons hang out." And, like, and you can see Ray's like, "No, we're not. We're not going down. We're there. definitely not going into that." And so, so the next scene. So, how does he find? Because in the next scene, he finds the warehouse. This is what I didn't. This so this is one one like glitch in the Matrix, I suppose. So yeah, Ray tells Mac that it's the the demons are selling those drugs. Or, or were selling those drugs, and he knows where they are, and Max like, show me where they are, and Booker doesn't want to go there. Right. Because it's like, you know, it's like, I guess, walking into the lion's den. Not a great thing to right. do. Right, exactly. Um, so, so the next scene is MacGyver outside of the warehouse that, that they brought Booker into. Yes. But I don't know how he got there. Okay, good. So it wasn't just me. I got no, confused. because just all of a sudden he's like at the warehouse Right, and he starts like roaming the halls, which is weird. So, so and 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 Ray isn't with him. So, so initially it was Ray and another guy that they were trying to find out where this crack was coming right. from. And so all of a sudden Ray isn't around anymore, and MacGyver's by himself. Right. I may have to watch this just quickly again, like for that scene, because I need. To, I got confused because I'm like, all of a sudden he's at the warehouse, right? And he's like roaming the halls, and he's trying to figure out what's going on, and he eventually goes in and he 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 looks in one of the doors and he sees booker's back mm-hmm. and he sees him just hanging there with his arms up uh, extended above his hands all the lights are dark it's like moonlight coming and he's, the he's like booker he's i think he think he yells at him at first he, a couple of times Booker, booker. doesn't respond so he probably assumes he's just unconscious so he walks over and he puts his hands on the- yeah i'm just saying so it's great booker's i mean credit to the shot and the direction here um booker's back is to the camera and you see MacGyver walking up to him, and then like you see the back of Booker's head, and his hands are over his head. And MacGyver, like you're saying, starts putting his hands on him. And the way this whole thing was shot was really well done. Oh, yes, it was for so what, well done for what the what the reality right. was. The camera always stays to Booker's back and always looks at MacGyver's reactions. So we never see Booker's face. We never know what happens. We just see MacGyver's reactions when he looks at Booker's face. Right, and it's. Right now, I'm getting like... I'm like, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about this sequence. Like, we don't actually find out how he died until the next... Then after the commercial, and we won't say it yet. So, MacGyver's <sighs> reaction was immediately like... he Like, you could tell he almost threw up. Oh, yeah. And he's like, oh, Booker! And like, and like, immediately broke down. Yeah. Started crying. Like, ran out of the room. Slammed into the wall because, like, he was walk- running so fast. He's just not hilarious. He's um, delirious. Delirious. Like, just completely delirious. And then swings, like, turns around. Punches a hole. Right up to his elbow. Punches a hole into the wall. Yeah. We've never seen MacGyver like this before. Yeah. He's... The, the only <sighs> other time we've seen MacGyver, like, react to somebody's death was when um, Mike... Was when uh, Mike fell off the Mike Widowmaker. Forrester, right? Yeah. Fell off the mountain. Yeah. And he, like, he froze up and then was kind of a recluse for a couple of but weeks. But even that, like, that wasn't, like, he didn't, like, lash out. Like, or he even, l- like... Yeah, this was he lost his mind. Yeah. Like it was unreal. And I think I give this credit to Dana Elkar being the director because it it was a scene just with Richard Dean Anderson, MacGyver. Yeah. Um, and probably a very small crew. I was gonna I almost I had a thought, I was like, it makes you wonder if it was like like Dana Elkar was like cleared the set and it was just he and MacGyver. Right. And he's like just he do and Mac- it, just yeah. So, or, or, but they they insisted on being called by their their character's name, right? So it's yeah. just Pete and MacGyver, and right. Pete was filming this. Yeah, that's like I just thought of it. I was like, what if it was just the two of them on the set, and he just told right. Richard Dean Anderson, just do it, just can let it go, right? And so he, that's where I think the quality of this comes from, like being directed by someone you've been working with and trust, exactly, to be able to exactly. get a performance like this. Yes, yes. I am still like, and we haven't even talked about what happened, but right. I'm like. And we're getting um, there in a minute because this is where we cut to commercial. It he's gets like, worse. He's, he's sobbing uncontrollably in the wall, screaming Booker's name, and then we kind of like we fade out to commercial, and we come back, and it's a couple hours later, and the detective is back at the crime scene. Right, the same detective from earlier in the episode that you know, Ray went and got and all that sort and of. And he's thing. talking to MacGyver, and he's like, "Listen, he's like, you didn't touch anything but the door or the body, right? But like, you know, Mac- so MacGyver's outside with the detective, kind of breathing heavy. Um, Booker's wife is outside, and they bring. Booker's body through on a on a on a stretcher. Yep. Put it in the ambulance ambulance and uh his wife is crying and it was like, Oh my god, she's like she says, That's my husband. Like and I was just like, Oh my god. Yeah. Like this is so heavy. And then this is when MacGy- the the detective tells MacGyver to follow him inside. And right. this is I assume the second time MacGyver's been in this room. Yes. 
Yeah, exactly. MacGyver walks in the room, and you can tell he's. And the first thing he does, he's like, he just turns, walks through the door, and then turns facing the wall. Like he can't even. He just like recoils. Yeah. Because oh yeah. It shows the the camera shows, and it's now daylight, and you see the window that the moonlight was coming through in the in the previous scene, and you see the rope that Booker was hanging from, but it was tied up to just yeah. limp now, kind of like recoiled a little bit, and MacGyver's like not really being able to look at it, not really looking at anything, kind of just. Re- Going into himself a bit, yeah, yeah. So the detective basically, <sighs> wow. he's like, "Listen, we're 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 imagining that this was a gang style execution." He's like, "This was this was not just like a normal, this was not a normal death." And so then he refers to the execution as a Colombian necktie, <sighs> and I didn't know what this was until I, an I, hour before we recorded because I looked it up. I I knew what it was, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Shit. So that's what they did. So not to get graphic on this, but yeah. So a Colombian necktie, they slid his throat horizontally, and then they pulled his tongue through the hole in his throat so that it resembled a necktie. <laughs> so you imagine that watching this on network TV, no one in the like, no one in their right mind, like no one's going to know what that is. So they're just as you know, like you didn't have the yeah. internet to go like, oh, what is that? I'm going to look that up. Like right. Probably a lot of people didn't know what that was, or or you know, I'm sure they knew what it was when they were making the episode. They had oh, to oh, I'm known. sure, I'm sure, but it, it, it might not have been a common word, yeah, or yeah, like you said, as easily researchable as it is now, right? I, I don't know, I I picked that that term up, for, I don't know, in yeah. movies, whatever. You just hear it, yeah. Um, fucking brutal. I was like, what? Like, oh my god, yeah, fucked up. I mean, that is like. Oh god yeah. damn! I'm just getting because I'm I'm <laughs> going through the whole scene again. Like I'm just reliving the scene in my head. Like that's and that's the thing is like I think we could, this is a rewatchable episode, but like I don't know if I could watch that sequence again where he finds Booker's body. That was hard. It was hard for me to watch. It was very very hard for Man, me to watch. And I'm going through it again. I'm like, oh it, right, <laughs> right. So so the detective tells MacGyver he's like, oh hey, by the way, we found more rocket brand in Booker's pockets. Like so, he was uh, stuffed with it. Pretty sure that he might have been selling drugs to raise money for the club. I'm like, are you a fucking idiot? Like, yeah. you, like this dude just looked at his best friend, one of his good friends, mm-hmm. with his tongue sticking out of his neck, like, and he's like, well, we found more drugs. So what do you think that says about him? And MacGyver's like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, I know. Really? He's like, there's no way. MacGyver's- I know Booker. Yeah, like there's no way. And so MacGyver's like, nope, didn't do it. He's like, but. Hold on a second, because because the 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 detective shows him the crack right again. It's got the rocket brand on it. Yeah, and he's like, "Can I see that label? Can I take the label for that the the, the crack?" And he's like, like, "Yeah, sure. you can do it, do whatever you want with it." So he sticks it to a piece of paper and he hands it to to MacGyver, and we cut away to Ray, and he's he's kind of like in contact with one of the gang members of the demons, mm-hmm. and they're insisting they're like, "No, man, we were framed. Like we haven't sold this in a couple weeks, two three weeks. Yeah, There's no way that's ours." So MacGyver. Which was actually kind of a, a cool little. This was neat. So yeah, so Ray g- bought or got um, a, a new bag from from the demons with that has their logo on it, right? And then MacGyver has the one that he the, the sticker that he got from the cop, right? Exactly. Um, and Ray walks back to MacGyver's jeep after doing this deal with the demons and says, "Yeah, they knew you were here." And MacGyver's like, "How'd they know I was here?" And Ray's just like, it's their turf. Right. They, they have people on literally every corner. And this is another thing. Like, MacGyver, you didn't know that? Right. Come on. You, you do espionage. Right. And you didn't know that a, a, a gang and you're in their turf, they didn't, they just, yeah. you don't know how you they are. You are a white here. guy with a mullet. I mean, you stand out like a sore <laughs> right. thumb. Right. So, so Ray basically is like, listen, like, the demons use, they use a photocopier for all their labels so that it can't be traced. Because <laughs> that's the other thing. Mac, a- <laughs> Mac asked. Where do they get their labels printed? And and Ray's like, they don't print them. They right. print them themselves. They don't get them done someplace. They get caught. Yeah. And MacGyver's like, oh, yeah. They just, so they use somebody else. They use a photocopier so that it can't be traced. And so MacGyver, he's like, all right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to take this alcohol, and we're going to swab it across both labels. He's mm-hmm. like, if I swab it across one label, and it doesn't, he's like, and if it doesn't smudge, he's like, then we know that that's the real yeah. Label. He's like, but if, but if it smudges on the other one, then we know that this is counterfeit. So sure enough, he takes the alcohol and he swabs it across one. Nothing happens. Swabs it across the second one, and it smudges right across the entire yeah, label. Ink smears. He's like, so okay. So the first one was definitely a photocopier. The second one was printed, like from a drum or something like that. Right. Or from a printing press. From a, or maybe from somebody who owns a print shop. Right. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was like that kind of deduction. And right then, MacGyver's like, "Oh my god!" And Ray is like, "He's like Booker. He like, yeah. He's like, I know what happened. Yeah." And then it's unbelievable. He basically he tells Ray, "Go get the cops. Meet me at the print, print shop. Print shop. You know the address." Yeah. And so, I don't think there's a name. I think it just literally says print shop. Maybe above the store, to- the storefront, Booker's stupid bullshit shop. Yeah. So MacGyver but, heads over to the print shop. Ray goes to the cops. So MacGyver kind of like works his way around the back, and he sees he sees the car, the, he, the car, right? Their car, the that, one that rear-ended Booker. And so he sees that it's smashed up and it's missing, mm-hmm. it's missing uh, enough blue paint that he realizes like, okay, so this was the car that hit them. Mm-hmm. and he sees Smiley, and Smiley comes out of the back of the print shop, and he comes down the stairs, and he's holding bloody clothing, the bloody aprons, and like a bunch of like bloody sheets, and he's going to basically burn them to destroy the but evidence. Booker tells him to burn it. Because, you can hear Booker say it. Burn that because it's evidence, and Smiley's like, okay. Yeah. But he's going to burn it in a trash can in the back alley. Right. I'm like, eh. So he douses it. He douses it in gasoline, and he's getting ready to strike the match, and you hear MacGyver off camera go, hey, Remember me? Right. And he cold cocks him, just knocks, knocks him, out. him to the ground. One hand punch. And he doesn't even do the fist shake. No, I he noticed just, that too. I bet he freaking broke his jaw. He's like, crunch. So, yeah, and so then he picks him up and he throws him into a dumpster, closes the top, locks the dumpster. That was awesome. I'm like, yeah, dude. I, you know what? I want I want MacGyver to go all kind of like rogue on this. I wanted to throw him to like one of the compacting dumpsters and right. like die like Shredder. <laughs> at the end oops oops throws this thing down yeah and he's like oh and you could see like macgyver's like getting like uh, um and then he's firing himself up so then frank comes out and he's got like a stack of newspapers in his hand he starts walking down the stairs and i i knew the second i saw him come down the stairs i knew it was gonna happen next because you see the top of macgyver's head Uh behind the stairs so these are like open wooden stairs with no with no uh riser and so he grabs frank by the ankles and you see a shot you hear frank and he just like tumbles ass over tea kettle right down to the, the bottom down of stairs. stairs. I'm like probably broke his neck. He like MacGyver just like it's so like MacGyver doesn't like guns, but he will he will fuck you up. He will break every bone in your body, but he won't shoot you. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so so he takes Frank out, and Frank's unconscious, and he he looks at one of the papers and realizes that it's a it's a newsletter for white supremacists. Yeah. And uh, and so this is you can see MacGyver's just like fi- getting himself all fired up. So he goes inside and he sees Larson. He grabs one of the newspapers. I was holding it, and he sees Larson. He's like, "Listen, man, we got enough evidence to put you away." He's mm-hmm. like, "It's just this game's o- game over, man. Like we know you did it." Yeah. And Larson reaches out and grabs his gun, uh-huh. and he goes into this whole thing back and forth, and they start struggling around. And at one point, I think the gun fires. Well, the gun goes off during the struggle because MacGyver throws the newspaper down on his desk, and Larson's like, "You should read it." And MacGyver's like, mm. he's like, nope, I'm not doing that at all. And so they struggle around with the gun. The gun goes off at one point and fires. And he he disarms uh, MacGyver disarms Larson, grabs the gun, and he like pins him up against the wall with his arm. And he he flat out asks him, he's like, why would you brutally murder another human being? Now I'm not going to repeat it because it's too brutal. But basically, he makes the case that all black people are animals and that they should have they should all have been drowned at birth. What? <laughs> this is Sunday TV. And I, I said he he actually he uses a worse word that I'm not going to repeat here, but he uses the actual word, the worst term that you could ever use for a black person, and says it right out in the middle of right out in the middle of the show. <sighs> and MacGyver, like he, his eyes go red. Yeah, and he's holding the gun that Booker, ha- not uh, that freaking Larson had. He's holding it in his hand. And he's going to freaking pistol whip this guy to death. Yep. But Ray and the cop show up. And stop him right before he's about to bring the butt of the gun down onto his face. Yeah. Whew. MacGyver would have destroyed this man. Yeah. And we'll put the... We have the... I have the image of MacGyver just raging. And it's it's the most effective image I've ever seen of him. Like, And we'll put it, we'll put it up for you guys to see it. Because it's just... Whoo! Yeah. I mean... Boy. Okay. Okay. And so... Okay. Moving along there because that's just that's brutal. So the the cops they they arrest Larson and they they drive him away. Ray and MacGyver kind of like hug it out in the back and they just like there's just that moment of relief. Also Sarah because obviously they they've now witnessed and seen. Oh, actually Ray didn't, but like you no know, Booker's dead. Right. So they're just like they're in this, this sorrowful moment. And, and I, I, again, like going back to Mac, like he saw this and has to deal with it. Right. It's not like he heard about it. He found him. Right. He was the first person to find Booker dead. God. Yeah. Fuck. So 
and so here's where and this is okay and i i i know that they tried to wrap the episode up and they obviously they did but it was it was your typical like macgyver wrap-up mm-hmm. at the end of the episode so you know the phoenix foundation donated some money to the challengers club and they provided them with uh we what macgyver referred to as a new physics laboratory and he pulls it down and it's a pool table right and he's like, where's Ray? I want a rematch. And so he like, starts like undoing everything. And they look over and Ray's, Ray's got Breeze. He mm-hmm. convinced Breeze to come to the club. And so like he's going to like reform Breeze and bring him, you know. And Breeze gives like this kind of like, hey, what's up? This, like, ha- this-, <laughs> this half smile. And then we get this, we get the, we get the final episode, the final line of the episode where, uh, you know, he and Cynthia, MacGyver and Cynthia are standing next to each other watching Ray with Breeze. And we get this. I guess a little bit of Booker is always going to be here. Yeah. I think so. And so that's really, I mean, that's that's where it ends right there. It ends on that upbeat, like, major key. Right. Like, three minutes from after Booker being found dead. Right. And I just, like, my part, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, they've ended these on a note like this before with with, um, uh, the Blood Brothers episode where they all said goodbye to Jesse. Right. You know, like, oh, we miss you. We really miss you, Jesse. Like, it was a somber note, but it was also that note of just like, okay, like, we don't have to wrap these up so perfectly. And for such Mm -hmm. a brilliantly paced, brilliantly shot, like, just well done episode, like, to wrap it up with just that, like. But also, okay, so time frame. So MacGyver finds Booker dead. I presume that day or the next day he figures out that the demons aren't selling that crack. And then he figures out that it's been Larson. Like, all is this in, within twenty four hours? Like, all of that? I would think so because he finds it's dark when he finds Booker. So we imagine it's like early morning, like mm-hmm. late, like maybe a little after you know midnight. The next day, the cops find him. So it's probably like what five six hours later, right? And then yeah, so the whole thing. I would even say it might have been like less than eighteen hours, right? I'd say within twenty four yeah. hours, Mac wraps up the story. But so okay, so that that is somewhat believable, I guess. Um, I think he would be too distraught or too well maybe so it's either he'd be too distraught to actually do anything and he'd be with Cynthia right um or he's so mad that he can't do anything but figure it out which is I think the case exactly um so that gets wrapped up but then the last little bit where they're donating where the Phoenix Foundation donated the pool table sure Cynthia's there I want to know that time frame because so between between when Ray and MacGyver hugged after Larson got arrested and the the no, donation of the pool exactly. table, a month, six months, maybe yeah, it's a couple couple weeks. It I don't, I wouldn't right. imagine that it would be it's the next not day. the same day or the next day. It's no. well down the road because you know Cynthia's there. Yeah, and and she says I guess there'll always be a piece of Booker here. Yeah, you know, and it's, it's a nice like, it's a nice sentiment. I like I that, but. I, if it was my spouse, I wouldn't be able to say that without choking up for years. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, so like you said, excellent episode. The last little bit. It's just, I, just it, it, that prevented it for me from giving it that full on five. Yeah. Um, I, I just like, you know, Larson skirted the edge of being a full-blown racist for the majority of the episode and that ma- it, i think it makes that final reveal of his ski like that skis that it's awful character so bastard. much more disturbing that he's skirting the edge of this of this like racist and then he gives that reveal at the end like that he's such a monster mm-hmm. so much more disturbing to watch that and just like like i said you know the paralleling it like knowing that all of this stuff is still happening right now in this country beyond just makes it so much more up. timely and disturbing to think about right that it's just ugh. It's it's so out of my wheelhouse as a person that it's hard to. I know, and that's the thing is like get. that is so not who I am as a person. I just can't fathom people being like this, right? At all. Um, so the way I broke mine down is I went mostly performance wise. Mm-hmm. So I gave it a mullet for Dana Alcar's direction, some of the best we've seen in the mm-hmm. series. I gave it a mullet for Cuba Gooding, of course. Uh, a mullet for that breakdown, yeah. Post Booker. A mullet for I gave Larson a mullet just because he was such a shitbag monster of a like he just right. he played it he really was, he did really well I mean the only other character you know actually got more wound up was the sheriff from that one episode with the mine oh yes that guy was a total cock yes he was but he didn't come across as a racist piece of shit no this just I think given that the actor that you give that actor that script and you're just like 
how am I going to do this? Right. You know, because I, I don't know this actor very well. I don't know who he is, but I'm like, you imagine getting that script and like, this is what you have to do and yeah. make it good. Yeah. Oof. Well, like, like, uh, ever watched, um, uh, Django Unchained. Yes. It, yeah. Interviews with Leonardo DiCaprio saying that this guy was like, awful. Yeah. It's like, how do I play somebody so terrible? Exactly. Exactly. And so I finished mine off with a half a mullet for Breeze just because <laughs> I kind of liked, he was not that he was like a comic relief. But he was a little lighter than most of the episodes, and I liked him overall. I liked mm-hmm. I liked his resolution at the end that he kind of came around and started going to the club. So I ended up at four and a half, another one. Okay. Four and a half as well. Well, I watched this uh, last night, actually. Probably, I think we were like an hour apart. Yeah, I ended watched. it probably around uh, 11.30 or something like that. Yeah. So I was kind of tired, but I gave, it, I gave it five mullets, and I didn't even write anything about it. Yeah. I wrote five mullets, period. Brutal and crazy. Out of place compared to the rest, so it's totally standalone. Um, I could dock it. I would say point two five, so give it like four point seven five mullets. Okay, I want to give it the highest rating, but th- really the ending it was out of place. I felt like they could have not done that ending, yeah. and done something a little bit different, like yep. something. <sighs> it it's yeah it it, it was. It didn't feel like it matched the mood of the Agreed. rest. Of the, maybe Agreed. they wanted wanted it to end upbeat. Yeah, that's probably what it was. I, I would be curious what the show was after this. How, what the feeling was after finishing this episode. Well, this yeah. episode ended, and then what was in the uh, what was in the timeline? Like what was on the lineup that night? What, oh, right. Like what was on Sunday nights? Right. What was the next show after after MacGyver? We'll find out after we Sunday finish recording. nights at nine or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, and like watch it be like something really happy, and right? People just can't can't enjoy it because this was so dark. So maybe that's what they were trying to do. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm gonna look it up. We'll, but we'll, if we find any information, we'll let you know in episode seventy-seven. Say, I mean, for what it was, five mullets, but in reality, four point seven five because that end just like the, as yep. as a yeah. Uh, man, right. this would have been aw- this was awesome. Yeah, it was. Would you think that? I know you said that Cleo Rocks was one of your rewatchables. If this was ever on, would you sit down and rewatch this? Oh, I definitely would. Would you? Yeah, I think I would too. It, it was. I would rewatch it for just the all of it. Why any movie is good? Why any movie is rewatchable? Right. Because right. it's because it's just that good. Yeah, it's just that good and that effective. It it stuck with me. Like, there's only been a couple of MacGyver episodes that really stuck with me. One was a uh, Sandra Milhouse who. Oh yeah, yeah, Age yeah. Sixty kill years zone. and thirty seconds and kill zone. That one's like, oh my god, this um, Charlie getting blown up in the hull of a ship yep. with a baby on the way. MacGyver didn't really grieve that. He's like, ah, Charlie was a good friend. Maybe this was the um, the 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 uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The culmination of every death he's witnessed over the last three and a half years. Finally, just like right. blowing up in his face. Right, like he's like enough is enough. And this is only the second second character that we've known in the series in the season four so far that's died right well actually first if you count jesse because that's a flashback okay so really this is the first present day character in the show in the season that's died so far but anyway uh god yeah so really good episode really well done i think rewatchable for the most part um, I think all of it except for the tail end because the tail end just doesn't did not wrap up the way it wrapped up the way every other MacGyver episode ended. However, this was not every other MacGyver episode. This was standalone, the best one I think I've watched so far. Absolutely. Um, you know what probably won't be the best one you've watched? The next episode. Oh God, what is it? <laughs> you want to know what it is? All right. Next one is season four, episode thirteen, Runners. Hmm. While trying to help a teen prostitute leave her pimp and return to her family... It's not funny, David. MacGyver discovers she's being abused by her father, who is a cop blaming her for his wife's death. Fuck. <laughs> I mean... I'm not laughing about so prostitutes. Just before we, we head out, MacGyver started season one like over the top. He's like in, in some... Ma- Bulgaria Bulg- or Budapest. Making up some countries too, dri- riding around in tanks, machine guns, rocket launchers... And now it's a lot of domestic issues, which is yes. interesting. It is. It is. And probably much cheaper to film. I would imagine so. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So that's coming up uh, next episode. Um, if you liked what you heard in this episode, and I will recommend that you guys do find this episode and watch it because it is not only for the timeliness of, of, of the episode, but it's just if you want to see like prime 80s, 90s 
television drama, like this is the cream of the crop. Like this is as good as it's going to get. Like honest to God, this is as good as it gets. Mm-hmm. Please watch this episode if you have a chance. Um, but if you like the episode and you like listening to us talk about this stuff uh, and you like hearing us talk about the show, let us know. Um, you can find us on Facebook at Champa and Klein Blow Your Mind. Find us on Twitter at Blow Your Mind 14. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at Champa Klein, uh, where you may or may not get shots of a guy's crotch. Um, mm. in, in, the, in the feed uh, you can definitely find us there uh, you can email mm. us at lettuceblowyourmind at gmail.com uh, mm. you can find us on our website at champacline.com where you can find all of our episodes of not only Mullets and Memories but our other two shows Champ and Klein Blow Your Mind and the 1440 uh, so go ahead and check us out there and uh, mm. let us know how we're doing and also um, if you can go ahead and leave us a, leave us a review on iTunes it mm. helps us become more visible to uh, new listeners uh, we love to we love to pick up uh, pick up new people and uh, have some have, have you guys listen to us and enjoy it so for Mullets and Memories this week I am Dave Champa I'm Greg Klein have a fantastic week, guys. Well, and maybe it's time for a smoke.